Thank you for joining us today here at Victory. At Victory Church, we are a community of authentic, spirit-led Christ followers transformed to walk in victory. Join us as we begin today's message. I love how God does things. He'll set things up, even songs and just different little intricacies within our life that we don't expect, and it'll kind of work them all together. I love how he does that, you know, just, just kind of speaks to the sovereignty of God and how he has everything under control, and, and I actually didn't know we were going to be singing that song, and it, and it it's really neat. It kind of just rolls so well into what he was putting on my heart. And so just to kind of give you an intro here. So, so how many people, first off, how many people know that God loves to change things on the fly, like on the spot? Has that ever happened to you? He loves doing that, man. He loves changing things. If that hasn't happened to you yet, as a follower of Jesus Christ, I promise you it will happen eventually. He loves doing that. I think a lot of times he loves doing that just to kind of keep us on our toes. It's like we'll think, okay, yeah, this is, this is the direction I'm going to go in. This is what he wants me doing. And then we'll, we'll get there. It's like we get so close, like, oh, yeah, I'm there. And then he's like, uh-uh, that's not where I want you going. Like, turn around, go the other way, about face. We're not going to that direction. We're going over here. And I think it allows us to do that a lot of times just to kind of test our faith, to see how much do you trust me, and more than that, how much are you really listening to me, how much are you really listening. And so he did that to me this week. Like, I've had a serious plan for months, man, for, for months, and I was, I was excited about it. I was getting into it kind of Monday, rolling into Tuesday, about to, you know, just kind of dive into it, pound it out a little bit, and getting ready for it. Had a lot of notes written down already for just the season in general, uh, the series, rather, and... Uh, and then he's just wrestling with me. And, and, and as he's wrestling with me, he's just changing this up. And he completely just wrecked my plans altogether. He just, he just wrecked them. And um, it, the, the series, it was going to be called Boundaries. It was going to be on essentially the fact that we live in a crazy world with a lot of crazy distractions. Amen? Anybody know that? We live in a crazy world with crazy distractions. And we need kind of boundaries to set up in our lives so that we can focus our attention on the most important thing really the most important person, which is Jesus Christ. So that was going to be this, the, the series, boundaries, setting up those boundaries in life so we can focus on Jesus. And we're still going to be doing that series, but he kind of changed the idea behind that as well. We're going to do it on the back end of this series. And he, he just kind of really arrested me with this and changed it. And let me give you kind of a little backstory first. So for, for a couple of weeks, there's been a lot of just kind of struggles and things. I've been really feeling just deep in my soul, just this different struggles. Um, even inside the church, a lot of individuals, families struggling in different ways, tons of different things going on. And I was feeling this um, for a few weeks, but really the last couple of weeks, my wife was feeling it too. Even we were feeling it, um, different things going on in our lives. And then all of a sudden I started having different conversation, conversation, meeting with different people, all kinds of different things. And he's always like, the enemy is always attacking in different ways, like individual little ways. But sometimes it ramps up, and there's a lot of different little things going on. I was even just having a conversation with, with people this morning. Like, I mean, it's been one after another, after another, after another for a couple of weeks. And so I was feeling this, and then I get to um, last Sunday, and I have two different conversations, two different people, separate times. Um, one actually was kind of towards the beginning, one was towards the end, and they're different topics completely. And both of them were saying essentially like, man, I've really been feeling some heaviness in the church. And, you know, I, I think that, you know, I think we're being attacked. I think we need to pray. Different conversations, different people. I had no, they didn't even know that I had been feeling the same thing and had tons of different conversations with people throughout the last couple of weeks. 
And so I'm getting to Monday. I'm about to dive into this series. I'm excited about it. And then he's like, no, we're changing this. We're going to change the series, and it's going to be on, on spiritual warfare. And so it was a little bit of a kind of a, he shattered my, my comfort zone a little bit, no pun intended, because we just got out of the comfort shatterer series. And it was like on Tuesday afternoon, I think I like messaged Josh back there. He's probably ready to strangle me because I've been telling him, we're going to get in this series, it's going to be great. And it's like, nope, we're changing it. And, um, and so that's kind of the backstory. We're, we're going to be diving into a two-part series on, um, on spiritual warfare. And I've, I've titled it The Unseen Battle because it really is just that. It's an unseen battle. And because it's unseen, a lot of times it's not taken seriously. And a lot of times it's not even really uh, understood or believed in. It's almost like a metaphor or an idea for something that isn't there. But it is a very real battle. It's an unseen battle, but it's a very real battle. In fact, it's, it's a real battle that is really behind all the other battles and wars that we see going on around us, whether it's actual real battles, wars, or, or conflicts, relationally, whatever it may be. It is a real battle, even real, more real in a lot of ways than all these other battles that we see and that we feel around us. And not only is it a very real unseen battle, but we also have a very real unseen enemy. And so that's going to be the focus today, this very real unseen enemy. The big idea that we're going to be diving into today is this. We have an enemy, and we are all called to fight. We have an enemy, and we are all, every single one of us, called to fight. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you so much for just the opportunity to be your children I thank you for the fact that even though we are in an unseen battle that is really just behind all of these other battles and not just wars, but relationally, all these other things, that, that you are right here with us and that we can lean into you, that we can press into you. I pray that, that you help us to understand this, this very real spiritual battle going on all around us. I pray that not only as we dive into this text, but just in general, this, this battle, that we would take it seriously and that you would teach us about this enemy that we're going to be diving into today, and that you would help us to take him seriously, and that what you're going to challenge us with, that you would help us not just to, to know it up here in our heads as knowledge, but that we would take this information out with us, and that we would know how to prepare ourselves and to fight this, and most importantly, to lean into you and to take our relationship with you, our, our, our following, so to speak, of Jesus Christ, that, that following of Christ seriously in our life. I pray that you help us to do that. Because God, we, we are so weak. I am so weak and we are so frail and we are in desperate need of your grace. Every moment of every day. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just convict us, that you would draw us closer to you, that you would do the impossible things that you always do in us, which is to make us and mold us more and more into the image of Jesus. And I pray as we leave here today that we don't leave here the same, that we leave here changed. I pray that you perform the miracle of salvation but not only that, I pray that you perform other miracles, God, of, for us that are followers of Christ and even myself in areas that I am struggling with and other people are struggling with, that you would perform this miracle of, of just unity with you, with each other, but then also of healing in different ways, whether it's emotional, relational, whether it's physical, whatever it may be. That's what we pray. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you guide this whole process and just surround us and help us to fill you tangibly. pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So if you've, if you've got your Bible, 
turn to 1 Peter uh, chapter 5. That's where we're going to be at. If you don't have the Bible, we're going to have it up on the screen. We've got, uh, we've got a church app as well. Um, it, you, it's accessible Android or, or Apple. So if you have that, if you haven't plugged into that yet, you can do it. A lot of different things on there. Thanks to our tech guru in the back, Josh. Um, a lot of things you can do with that, but you can actually access notes. You can access the Bible with Bible reading plans, and you can a- access um, all the different scripture that we dive into each Sunday as well. So you can break that open. First Peter chapter 5, it's a little book towards the back of your Bible. It was written by the Apostle Peter, um, and it was written to several different people, not like a specific group, but several uh, different people that were scattered around in, in a general uh, you know, vicinity, but, but several different places within that general uh, geographical area. Several different people scattered around. And what was going on is these guys were under very, very intense persecution. Very intense. Like, man, you think you got it bad. These people had it bad. Very intense attacks. Very intense persecution. Physical persecution. But not just that. Peter also speaks to, more, more importantly, the real battle behind all these other battles that we see in front of us, which is the spiritual battle and the real enemy that was attacking them. And he gave them wisdom through this season. And he also warns them, hey, it's really, really bad, but it's about to get worse. And so he gives them wisdom, he gives them encouragement, he teaches them through this season, this this kind of season of attack, the spiritual attack that they're going through. And so that's the same wisdom and teaching that we're going to be diving into today a couple thousand years later. So let's check this out. Apostle Peter, um, this is 1 Peter chapter 5, starting with verse 8. He says, be sober-minded, be alert. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. So we're going to pause right there. Pause right there for just a second. There's a lot of different things that we can kind of pick apart from that. And we can just kind of dissect that and and dive into it and soak in that for a a good while. But if you were to take all of that and kind of ball it up into one little bite-sized chunk and just kind of spit it out in one little statement... It essentially be this. This is kind of like a, a main focus, a little pen needle type of idea that, that, that Peter wants us to wrap our heads around. The devil is real. He wants to destroy you, so take him seriously. The devil is real. He wants to destroy every single one of us, so take him seriously is what Peter is trying to convey to us. And this is so, so important because oftentimes when we think about like the devil or it's Satan, the devil, several different names, you know, same person, just different names, okay? I usually call him Satan, so don't get confused by that. So when we think about Satan, a lot of times we think, uh, almost tend to think of him in like overly spiritualized type of terms, as if he doesn't really exist, Almost as if Satan's nothing more than like this metaphor that's used to describe evil in general. Like, like something evil or bad happened, so like, oh yeah, that, that was Satan. Kind of like this idea, like, you know, he's just a metaphor. He's just, you know, to describe evil in general. Not like a real being, just a metaphor, idea, a concept. And when we do that, what we do is we put Satan, a very real being, very real, as we'll talk about a little bit we put him into this category along with like Santa Claus and the Easter Bunny. And then we think about him like we, we see him in the cartoons, which is a skinny little dude, like a tiny little two-inch man sitting on your shoulder that has horns and a pitchfork and like a red jumpsuit or tights. Like why in the world would the devil even have 
tights. Like that doesn't even make any sense, right? It's like, what is this? And it's completely unbiblical, by the way. That is not at all what, what the Bible portrays Satan as. But then number two, more importantly, he is very real. He, he is very, very, very real. And in fact, the Bible talks about him all over the place. And a couple references um, to this really quick too, just to hit on this. So Satan used to be an angel in heaven. He had access to the very throne room of God as an angel in heaven. But then he became prideful. He, he, he ended up wanting to be like God. Really, he wanted to be God. And so if you're an angel in heaven, you're in the very throne room of God, and then you essentially are wanting the throne of God as you're in the throne room of God, obviously you're probably going to get kicked out. That is not cool. You can't do that. You can't want and try to get the throne of the God of the universe. So he's kicked out of heaven. And we see that a couple of references there. I was going to dive into the scripture, but I think it'd be a little bit too much. So I want to encourage you to go back and look at that on your own. Isaiah uh, chapter 14. Isaiah 14. So check that out. Also Ezekiel chapter 28. Not like an idea, not a not a metaphor, not, a, um, not just a concept, a real literal being, real literal events that happened. But then on top of that, some more proof for you is Jesus. Jesus actually literally tells us in Luke chapter 10 that he saw with his own eyes, he's God, obviously he was there, Satan fall from heaven, like, and he compares it to this bolt or flash of lightning falling from heaven. Jesus tells us he fell from heaven. And again, not an, not an idea, it wasn't a metaphor, not a concept, real, literal thing, literal, real, little being, actual events that happen. Revelations in another place, Genesis chapter three, all over the place we see this. And the reason that I'm saying this is this, is because if we don't take Satan seriously as a real, literal being that literally wants to destroy our lives and the people's lives around us, then we won't take his attacks seriously. And if we don't take his attacks seriously, then what we're doing is we're setting ourselves up for failure. Because hear me on this, it's not a question of if he attacks, it's when. It's not a question of if, it's, it's when. And so in this text, as we dive into this, don't miss how Peter describes him. He says, Satan is like prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. So meaning when he says that, and he uses, he's using these words descriptively to help us to, to picture Satan, this very real being, as best as we possibly can and how he functions, how he operates, how he is. And he picks these words specifically a roaring lion, prowling around like a roaring lion. So he is actively searching people out, actively pursuing them, people. There's no passivity with this. Like, so in other words, what Peter is not saying in this text is, hey, as long as you do these things, as long as you do all the right things, like go to church, pray, pay your tithe, read your Bible, as long as you do the good things and you stay away from the bad things, you'll be okay. That is not at all what he is saying. He likens um, Satan to, to like this roaring lion, this bloodthirsty, roaring lion that wants to destroy your life and is actively pursuing ways to destroy your life and the people's lives around you. And he doesn't care how that happens. He doesn't care. It's a, that's just the means to the end. He doesn't care how that happens. He just wants to destroy our lives. It could be through relationships, through finances. It, it could be through, you know, our job. It could through, be through pride. It could be through struggles. He doesn't 
care. That's not the point. He just wants to destroy our lives. And one of the things that he loves to do, he loves to attack Christians. He loves to attack churches. He, he, even though we're, we're, we're Christians and once saved, always saved, when your name is in the Lamb's book of life, it can never be erased. I can never do anything to erase my name. And you, know, you can't. Satan can't. Right? Once saved, always saved. But one thing he can do is he can attack us and win little battles. He's lost the war for our soul, but there's still so many other people out there who it's like this question mark. So he's lost the battle for the war for our soul, but he can still win little battles. Because we see in Galatians chapter 5 that even in this sinful, fallen, broken, crazy, chaotic world, we still are free because of Christ. We are victors. We are not victims, right? But then a lot of times what he does is he puts us in this mentality where we are like victims. And what happens is we start acting more like prisoners than victors. And then not only that, but then even the people around us, we start portraying that and they start following suit. And then we become completely ineffective for the spread of the gospel. And he loves doing that, attacking us, even, even Christians. And so if you think about, you think about a lion, like, this is what Peter d- used to describe Satan. So you think about a lion. So, so you didn't know this, but we're going to press a little button. We're going to go on a little African safari here, okay? So we're on an African safari. We're in Africa. This is what it looks like. Look, there's a little bush here, okay? So if that helps you, just look at this guy, um, you know? And, and so we're in Africa. We're like in a little Jeep or something. It's all bumpy, and we're looking around. We got some different animals, and I'm not going to say animals because I'll embarrass myself, and I'll say something that's not in Africa. But we're here, and we're looking, and then all of a sudden we see lions, and so what would those lions, what kind of prey would they be going after? Most likely, they'd be going after weak prey, right? Weak prey. And so you think about like a younger, you know, maybe like a gazelle or something, or weaker or smaller, or maybe it's slower. They go after the, the weak prey. And so similar to a lion, Satan loves to go after weak prey, but it's not like weak people. He loves to go after every single one of us. We're all weak people. I'm a weak person. Every single one of us. It's not weak people. He loves to go after the weak, most vulnerable places in our life. It's those places that we don't even like to think about. We don't like to go there. We don't like to talk about it. It's like somebody presses that button. It's like, don't go. That hurts. No. And we don't, sometimes we don't even want to tell other people. I think about like a baby and they have the soft spots. I'm talking about like on their head. Um, and, and so like a baby with a soft spot, it's like, don't, don't press that. Don't do that. No, that hurts. And those are those areas in our life. And he loves to attack those areas, the weak spots, the vulnerable spots in our life. And here's the thing, you ready for this? He knows those weak spots better than we do. He knows those weak spots and how to dig in, how to press into those weak, vulnerable spots in our life better than we do. And so it kind of begs this question, if we look back and we say, okay, so what we've talked about so far, Satan is real. He's very real. We see references that all across the Bible, not a figurative of speech, not a metaphor, real. He literally wants to, to destroy our lives. He, he, he wants to, um, you know, he's prowling around, so it's an active deal. He's not like passively looking. There's nothing we can do about this. It's not an if, it's a when. It happens. And he also knows the weak, vulnerable places in our life and how to press our buttons. So it begs the question, okay, well, if this is real, then we should probably want to know what his main objective is. Like, what is this dude's agenda, right? 
And that kind of makes sense. I mean, any kind of like a war tactician or you think about the military, one of the things that they say that you want to do um, right off the bat is you need to know your enemy. You have to know your enemy. What is their objective? What is he really going after? And so let's think about this practically for a second. So you've got Satan. He hates God. He wants to be like God. He, he really wants to be God, right? And then he's attacking us. So if he hates God, God is his real enemy. He hates him, but he wants to attack us. Then it begs the question, why is that? And as we start to think of it, if he hates God, he's attacking us. It's probably because he doesn't want us close to God. He wants to break up the trust in God. Either if we have trust, he wants to put a divide there, or he wants to create a divide to where it never happens. Really what he wants to do is he wants to destroy our faith. He wants to destroy our faith. Really what he wants to do is, is check this out. He wants to scare the faith out of you. I mean, it's a roaring lion. I mean, this is an evil, vicious, I mean, bloodthirsty lion. He is actively on the prowl, wants to destroy your life. He wants to scare the faith out of you and out of everybody else around you. And... He doesn't care how this happens. Again, it could be through temptation, through hardships, through loss, uh, relationships, marriages. He doesn't care how it happens. That's just the means to the end. That's not what he cares about. And, and even another thing too is even in good times, it's, a lot of times we think about the bad times. Like, you know what? Satan's attacking. It's a bad season. It's a hardship. But a lot of times it's even in the good times. Because a lot of times what he's doing in those good times, you're going through a good season. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you're like, dude, what are you talking about? I feel great. I feel like I'm on cloud nine. Like, do not like jinx me with this crazy, like, you know, spiritual warfare stuff. I'm doing great, man. What are you talking about? But here's the thing. Here's the thing. He loves those seasons where we're, we're doing good and things are going well and we don't think that anything bad is happening. It's like, man, the job's going well, the marriage is going well, the kids, finances, everything's going well because then what he does is he waits for us to get complacent and he knows those weak, weak areas. He knows how to press into those weak areas and he waits till we're complacent and he attacks when we least expect it. He attacks when we least expect it See, what we have to understand about Satan is, yes, he is extremely evil. He is the epitome of evil, but he is also, we have to respect him as an enemy because he is like the best, other than God, the best strategist around. Like he is a, a, the ultimate strategist. And really, just to kind of give you a, a picture of this, if I can get your help for just a second. He's a strategist. Thanks, man. Again, the ultimate strategist. Oh, I should have saw that coming. That was totally me. That's okay. Thank you. He's the ultimate strategist, but he's also like the ultimate chess player with little chess pieces going everywhere. And so again, ultimate strategist, like the ultimate chess player other than God, best ever. And so even if you think about like different strategists who have lived throughout the world, um, throughout the course of history, especially military-based strategists, you think about like Patton, you think about um, Alexander the Great, you lump all these different guys, like these were, you know, good, bad, and different as far as their intention. Military, you know, as far as being a military strategist, geniuses, geniuses. You lump all of them together, Satan is a better strategist than all of them combined. 
He's that good. And again, he is, he is like the ultimate chess player. And so what he does is he calculates every single move. Every move that he makes is thought out. It's calculated. And he's moving in different areas. He knows the weak spots. And so he'll move in areas intentionally calculated out where our weak spots are, when we least expect it. And oftentimes, one of his most strategic moves to really catch us off guard is he will back up intentionally and he'll allow us to make some moves. For one, just to see what we're doing, allow us to open up those weak spots in our life. But then on top of that, it's like I was just talking about, allowing us to get complacent. It's like a good place in our life and allow us to think, oh, he's not, he's not fooling with me. He's not paying attention. It's okay. I'm fine. And then all of a sudden when we're complacent, we think everything is going okay. Then he makes one move and it just spins, it sends our whole world into like this tailspin. Our heads are spinning like what in the world just happened? Maybe it's like your marriage. There was something that was going on and it almost got destroyed, but God pieced it back together. You, you think everything's going okay and it's been a little bit of time. And, and that, that thing that caused that division almost split it apart. All of a sudden you start getting complacent in that area. You start falling back into that little path, arguments or a sin, whatever. And he attacks. He says, okay, we're going to we're going to expose that or, or another relationship or this struggle or whatever it may be. And he's constantly planning these different attacks, strategically different moves, looking, waiting to see what we're going to do. And again, his ultimate agenda, what he ultimately wants to do is he wants to scare the faith out of us. He wants to destroy our faith to get us living independently, separately from Jesus, where we're not trusting in God, and more specifically, where we're not trusting in the promises of God. We're not trusting in the promises of God. That he is a good, good father. That he will provide for our needs. That he will be there with us every step of the way. That nothing can separate us from his love. That he will give us the fulfillment, the satisfaction, everything that we need, the peace, the hope, the joy. Not just in the good areas of our life, but in the struggles and the issues and the rough times. He will be there for us. And not only in this life, but he has a hope and a future waiting for us just around the corner. He wants us to break away from God and to stop trusting in his promise, living independently of him and chasing after these other things. I call them fake functional saviors. Idols is what the word calls them. These other things where what we're doing is we're, we're trying to find different things in our life that we feel this is tangible. This is an area of my life I'm struggling. Maybe in, in certain areas I trust God. In these areas, I'll give these areas of your life to you, but I'm struggling with my finances right now, and so I can trust you in this area, but when it comes to my finances, God, i got to hold on to this, and so I'm going to hold on to this money, or, or I'm, maybe I'm struggling with some, some stress at work and some anxiety. God, you just don't know what's going on in my marriage. I feel like it's crumbling. I need something to help me cope, and so I'm going to go to this bottle or to these drugs or to this pornography, whatever it may be, and we try to find fulfillment and satisfaction, peace, comfort, really what we're doing, and we don't like to acknowledge this or say this, but we're trying to find salvation in those areas in our lives. I trust you for my salvation in these areas, but not in these. But the gospel tells us that Jesus is the only one that can give us any real, lasting hope, fulfillment, satisfaction, peace, comfort, future, salvation for our souls. But see, Satan wants to use these things. He wants to distract us. He wants us to get, a, get us to think 
that we can find these things in these other, again, fake functional saviors. And the reason that he does that, it's like this grand illusion. He's also like the ultimate illusionist because what he's doing is he's using them as bait. He's using them as bait. Any fishermen in here? Anybody fish? Nobody fishes. Oh, there's like four. Okay, cool. Okay. I was like, man, there's nobody fishing. Okay, so when you fish, do, do, you, do you just use any lure that you want? doesn't matter the fish. Do you use any lure at all? Or do you use certain kinds of lure depending or bait depending on the fish, right? Certain kinds. So he's the ultimate strategist. Again, like a master chess player, he's, he's planning out every single move. He is going to use bait that is appealing to you, specifically to you, not just in general, but to you. And he's going to use it. And what he's going to do is he, 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 he doesn't care how long it takes. He, he doesn't care what the bait is. That's just the means to the end. He doesn't care what that is. He just wants to get you to come closer and closer and closer until you're so close he can reach out and grab you. And what he does is he traps you with the very thing that he lured you in with. The very thing that he baited you in with then becomes the very trap that he has trapped you in with. And see, what we do, and I've kind of used this description before, what we do is it really starts off slow. It's not usually like a bigger thing. Maybe you win the lottery or something big happens. It's like, oh, wow, epic, mind-blowing. You know, sometimes it could be something big like that, but usually it's something very small, very, very small. Maybe it's a certain weakness in our area, or maybe it's a certain struggle, or maybe it's like a, you know, a misunderstanding about the truth of the gospel doctrinally, something like that. And what he does is he comes up, and this is the truth of the gospel maybe, and, you know, and, and so this is Satan. He comes in right here next to you to where you don't even notice there's a difference. Everything is okay, everything's kosher, and then all of a sudden, before you know it, you're drifting further and further and further and further. You're wondering, how in the world did I get all the way over here and you're headed straight for a spiritual cliff and you're dragging all these people with you because it's not just you it's the people around you that he wants to destroy and scare the faith out of and again he doesn't care how and we've got to understand that he does not care how he doesn't care if it's drugs he doesn't care if it's alcohol if it's pornography it's pride if it's work if it's money if it's this that whatever he doesn't care relations whatever he will use anything it's like if you picture Satan standing here and there's like a row of doors, like tons of doors that are, that are in front of him and you're on the other side and he's standing there in these row of doors and what he does, he has not just one of these, he's got one going all the way to all of these doors, different lure, uh, you know, different bait that he's using, different doors, maybe your finances, maybe your marriage, your kids, your church, maybe it's your, you know, uh, struggles in your life, um, you know, your job, whatever, all these different doors, tons of different chains, different kind of lure, different kind of bait. He doesn't care which one you come through, because guess what? Even though each door is shaped differently, looks a little differently on the outside, they all lead to the same place. They all lead to the same place. He doesn't care which door you come through. That's not the point. And he'll bait you, and he'll use different strategic moves, and then as you poke your head out, doesn't care which one, he wants to reach out and scare the faith out of you, along with everyone else around you. He's, he's kind of like the boogeyman that you were scared of that was under your bed when you were a kid, only he's real. He's much, much worse. 
and he's not confined to your bed. He's all over the place, and he has other minions called demons who are also very, very real. And so if we have a very real enemy named Satan who literally wants to destroy us, and the people around us actively pursuing us, wants to scare the faith out of us. He is powerful. He knows our weak spots. He's a master uh, strategist, like almost like a master chess player, and he knows our weak areas better than we do. Master illusionist, then it begs the question, what are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do with this? I'm glad you asked. Let's check out what Peter has to say about this. Verse nine, he says the first part of that little chunk right there, resist him resist him that's what peter says we need to to resist him and that makes sense we're talking about an enemy that wants to destroy our lives right he wants to destroy our lives he wants to destroy our faith and the people around us it makes sense that we need to resist him but then it kind of begs the question well how do we resist him how do we do that i mean do do we resist satan by watching netflix all day is that how we do that or or just by going going about our days our everyday lives and just pretending like he doesn't exist or, you know, pretending like, oh, he's not going to do anything. It's not going to matter. He, he's not going to fool with me. It's okay. And just pretending like everything's kosher. Is that what we do? No, man. No. When, we, when he says resistant, that is a call to action. That's not a call to passivity. It's a call to action. It's a call to move. To resist something or someone means that you stand against that thing, that you, that you fight against them. And in fact, if you look at Ephesians chapter uh, 6, verse 12, it was written by the Apostle Paul. When he says, um, he tells us that we wrestle, that's a key word there, that we wrestle not with flesh and blood, not against flesh and blood. So in other words, we don't wrestle against each other, but that we wrestle against uh, the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. Talking about, you know, Satan and his little minions, demons, right? That, that word wrestle right there, it carries it with it this meaning of literally like hand-to-hand combat. So, so you picture, when, when he's saying this word wrestle, picture getting into the ring with someone, going toe-to-toe with them in hand-to-hand combat. That's what the meaning of this word wrestle kind of carries with it. And the meaning of that word resist kind of carries with it. It's a very similar type of meaning. It means to stand against. It means to fight against and to never surrender to. It's almost like the the marching orders of a general that says you are to hold this line at all costs. Do not let the enemy through. Hold this line. This is a very real battle that requires us to actively fight against, stand against Satan, and it will cost us our time. It will cost us our energy, and we will bear scars from this. It will hurt and we will bear scars from it at times. Peter tells us to, to resist him, which begs the question, how do we resist him? And he answers that. He says, by standing firm in the faith. That's what Peter essentially says, to stand firm in the faith. And we do this by leaning into Jesus with everything that we have, everything that we are, trusting in his strength, not our own, and being disciplined, that's the key word there, being disciplined in our faith and by, catch this, taking it seriously. By taking it seriously. Being disciplined in our faith and by taking it seriously. You guys hear me on this. If we don't take our walk with Christ seriously, and I mean every single aspect of our walk with Christ seriously, then we become easy prey 
very easy prey for Satan in every single aspect of our life. It begs this question, this question that every single one of us should wrestle with, look in the mirror and honestly ask ourselves, like, am I honestly devoting every single aspect of my life to Jesus? Every aspect. Because here's the thing, guys, we have to understand is who you do, decide to devote your, your life, your time, your, your money, your energy, your thoughts and emotions to, who you decide to devote that to will ultimately be the one that rules and that navigates and steers the course, the direction of your life. It's, it's kind of like that movie. Has anybody seen that movie, Highlander 2, in here? Any other? I'm the only nerd in here. Okay, that, that's okay. I feel very... Very secluded. Now, so I'm the only one that's seen Highlander 2. So Sean Connery is in this movie, Highlander 2. And he, in this movie, he says this, this. It's a very epic statement. He says, in the end, there can be only one. In the end, there can be only one. And you're probably wondering, dude, that's a movie. It's Highlander. What in the world does that even have to do with anything? Nothing. It has nothing to do with anything except for the line. In the end, there can be only one. Because that is so true in this context, guys. We have to understand that in the end, there can be only one master, ruler, navigator of our life. And it begs the question that we all have to answer and be honest with ourselves with. It's this question of who will you serve? Who will you honestly serve? And not just in some areas of your life, but in every single area of your life. And, and we've been talking about this. We talked about this a few weeks ago when we followed Jesus. It's not this call to follow him in some aspects, some areas of our life, but every single aspect, every single area of our life. And it's a command from Jesus for one, because he's worthy of it. But another thing, though, it's also a warning because if we do not, we open ourselves up and we become easy prey in those areas of our life. And when we follow Jesus in every aspect of our life, it's not a call to follow him in perfection. There's no perfect people here. I'm definitely not perfect. But it means that we follow him in every aspect of our life in honest trust, trusting him with our finances, trusting him with our time, trusting him with our marriage, with our kids and our job and our struggles, whatever it may be. Not in perfection, just trusting you. And even in those times where it's, I'm struggling with faith, just praying that prayer, just saying, Jesus, help me with my own belief. Help me with my faith. I'm struggling right now. And he meets us where we are. And then in obedience in every aspect of our life, with our finances, with our thoughts, with our you know, struggles, with our marriage, with our kids, with our job, obeying him. And does that mean that we're going to be perfect in it? That we're, we're never going to struggle? We're never going to fall? No, we're going to fall. We're, we're going to make mistakes. But even through the mistakes, we continue pushing through and leaning into Jesus, even through the failures, no matter what. Peter tells us to, to resist him, resist Satan, to stand firm in your faith and know that you are not alone, that God will be with you every single step of the way. But then not only that, he says that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. Guys, hear me on this. You are not alone. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter what the struggle is, you are not alone. And one of the things that he loves to do, one of his favorite moves, is to get you feeling like you're a victim, like you're the only one struggling, and to get you down, because when you're down and you have that victim mentality, then he can break us much easier. 
That's what he wants to do. And so if you're here today and you are struggling with that, then what I want to encourage you, man, is to sell Satan to go back to hell where he belongs because you are not alone. You are not alone. God is with you every single step of the way. He loves you. He is with you every step of the way. And not only that, but your brothers and sisters in Christ scattered all around the world, not just in this room, are also in this fight right there alongside of you. You may not see them. You may not feel them. You may not know them. But you have people praying for you that you've never even met, that you won't meet until you're on the other side of heaven. You are not alone in this fight. Because when the devil attacks, stand firm in your faith. Know that you are not alone. And that the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. And remember, James compares this life to like vapor. It seems like it's never going to end. The struggles are never going to end. But it is going to end. And we are not meant for this world. We are meant for so much more, for glory, for paradise with Jesus Christ, which is just around the corner. To him, to Jesus, be dominion, be authority, be power, all power, all authority, forever. Amen. Amen. Guys, hear me on this. Satan may be like a roaring lion. He may be like a roaring lion, but we serve the real lion. Amen. We serve the real lion and absolutely nothing, not you, not me, not anybody else, not nothing that this world throws at us, not even Satan can separate you and me from his love. And when we truly belong to his family, when we're truly followers of Jesus Christ, then what he began in you, he will complete. He will complete it. And hear me on this. I think there's probably a lot of us that need to hear this today. I oftentimes need to hear this myself. He is not finished with you yet. He's not finished with you yet. No matter what you're going through, no matter what the struggle is, he is not finished with you yet. Peter tells us to to stand firm, to to keep on fighting, and not in our own strength, but in his strength. And to fight for our brothers and sisters in Christ, to tell Satan, honestly, to go back to hell where he belongs. And guys, to be a body of Christ that fights together and pushes back the darkness in the community that God has planted us in. Guys, let's be a church that takes this unseen battle and this unseen enemy seriously. That actively fights against this enemy together, unified together. Knowing that Jesus Christ is worth every single scar. Every single hurt, every single scar, no matter what the struggle is, no matter what happens, he is worth it all. And what we're going to do today, we're going to close a little bit differently than we usually do. We're going we're gonna to have the opportunity, all of us, to kind of launch a counterattack, if you will, against our enemy, Satan, by using one of the most effective weapons that God has given us, one of the most effective weapons in our toolbox, so to speak, which is prayer. And no matter what you're going through, whether it's relationally, whether it's emotionally, whether it's spiritually, and there's so many different things, I've got my own thing. I want to encourage you, don't hang on to it. Come up. We're going to hear in just a moment. I'm going to gather a couple of people that have been ordained. We've got a couple of people, elders and advisors out because of sickness. So we've got a couple of people that are going to come up um, that have been ordained. And we're just going to pray over people. We're going to anoint people. One of the things that I want to do, actually, I'm going to encourage us to even pray over and anoint each other because we are broken men that need the scandalous grace of God every day, just like everyone else. And so I want, to, I want to encourage you, all of us have struggles. And I don't care if it's every single person in here, 
I want to pray for you in whatever area that you're struggling in, no matter what it is. Come up with open hands. Give it to Jesus. Again, tell Satan to go back to hell where he belongs because that no longer belongs to him. That belongs to Jesus, and that's where it's going to stay. So here in a moment, actually, I'm going to go ahead and invite um, you guys up. If you want to come on up, and we're just, we're going to anoint each other. We're going to pray over each other first. And then after we do that, again, this is a little bit different than what we usually do. We're going to have a time where you can come up and you can be anointed and you can be prayed over no matter what it is, physical, emotional, uh, spiritual. Even if you want to come up in the place of somebody else, just take that time and come up no matter what it is. Hey, guys, first off, I just want to say thank you for joining us today for the sermon. And uh, whether you're somebody that's come to our church or you're somebody that lives locally, you go to another church, maybe you don't even live here. Um, I just want I just want to say first and foremost, thank you for joining us. And uh, I, I want to encourage you to, to respond in some way today because, you know, when we hear a sermon, when we read the Bible, when we, um, whatever it may, may be, the point of that is um, for God to speak to us in some way, shape, or form. And so if you are a Christian, um, you've been a seasoned Christian, you know the Lord already, then the way that we can respond is just by, you know, asking Him, God, what do you want me to do with the convictions that you're giving me uh, based on this sermon, the way that you're speaking to me? What do you want me to do? And then respond to that. Maybe it's an area of your life that you've been holding on to um, and, and you haven't been giving it to Him. And I want to encourage you to give that to Him and step out in faith. Or maybe if it's, um, you know, some unbelief that you've had and, and God has really convicted you of some things. Um, you know, whatever it may be for you, it's different for everyone. I want to encourage you to respond to God and, and step in His direction. And, and the other thing too is if, if you are somebody that maybe you've listened to this and you've never responded to that gospel message, you've never been, been impacted by that gospel message, but now something is happening, God is kind of stirring in your heart and in your mind a little bit, then I want to encourage you to step out in faith, respond to that gospel message. And throughout the book of Acts, um, Acts tells us our history as a church. Uh, it shows us that you know, what that response looks like. So number one is to repent. And this word repent, all that means is just to turn from, you know, our sinful ways, our sinful desires, you know, turn from making ourself God and all these other things in life, God, and turn to God and just give Him our life. Um, and, and then on top of that response, after the repentance, there comes something else. It's called baptism. And, and baptism is so key. It's so important. It's seen all throughout um, that book and Acts and, and the importance and significance of it. Um, it's this symbol of death to the old self and, and then um, birth to uh, this new life in Christ. And we're, we're, we, we're, uh, we die with Christ to the old self and we are raised with Christ to, to walk in this new life. And it's a command from Jesus. So I want to encourage you, if you have made that commitment to Christ, if you have stepped out um, and you are wanting to follow Christ, then I want to encourage you to take that next step and be baptized somewhere. Whether it's if you have a local church that you want to go be baptized at, I encourage you to do that. Um, if you don't have a church, we would love to be able to celebrate that with you um, here. But I encourage you first and foremost to do that, to, to talk with someone, um, to get counsel on what this means, to seek discipleship as well. So. Uh, I encourage you to do those things. We would love to talk with you. We are praying for you. I want you to know that you are loved and you are prayed for. 
So if you're ready to take that next step in your relationship with Christ, um, and if you want to take that next step with us, then we are we, we would welcome you with open arms. And so there's some links that we're going to provide below for you. Uh, please check that out. Um, and again, if you if you have any prayer requests, um, please contact us. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to talk with you. And we're excited about taking this next step with you.